Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Jetpacks. Are all rated? Welcome to another Jetpacks are overrated. I am Seamus Byrne. Passwords. People hate them, but people cannot live without them anymore. And they usually have to be dragged kicking and screaming towards doing something better than reusing passwords on 50 different websites. But there is a better way these days. Yubico and its YubiKey is one of those better ways. With a hardware dongle you can use to improve your authentication for many sites and in the process, sites, many sites and services as well, really, and across all your devices. And in that process, you'll actually reduce how often passwords are required. Sometimes they won't even be required at all. So this week, I'm talking to Alex Wilson. He's the Director of Solutions Engineering for APAC and Japan at Yubico. We caught up on Password Day, one of those excellent made-up holidays. But in this case, it is a good excuse to highlight something that I know far too many people keep pretending is okay when it really, really isn't. Be vigilant. Update your effing passwords, and hopefully Alex Wilson can help encourage you toward a future where your whole experience with passwords gets much, much easier. The excuses are done with, just get on with it. So we start with Alex filling us in on a bit of the history of Yubico so far. So Yubico's story is is a family business, and it's, it's quite interesting to work in a family business. Um, Stina Ehrensvard and, and Jacob Ehrensvard about 12 years ago uh, came up with this concept of, hey, accessing banking information is not very secure. I wonder if we could do something better. Um, Yubico, um, the YubiKey, subsequently came out of that. And um, the whole concept was making everyone who uses online uh, systems and online access make it make them feel like they can trust what they're doing, that they can do it securely, and uh, they can do it repeatedly and easily. Um, at the time, twelve years ago, um, accessing those systems was quite clunky. It still continues to be clunky, but I think we're starting to fix that. Um, Ubico has fa- founded in Sweden. Um, eventually transitioned to Palo Alto. So we have, now have joint offices between Stockholm and Palo Alto. Um, 
and we have driven the adoption and use of internet standards and helped develop new internet standards around authentication. Um, you know, you move forward to today and we have sold over 7 million YubiKeys globally. And we have uh, influenced some of the, the, the predominant authentication standards of the future by bringing all of the organizations together through the FIDO Alliance uh, with Microsoft, Google, Apple, plus a whole raft of financial institutions and um, technology companies. So yeah, Ubico is, is, seems to be punching above its weight and um, we are succeeding. Yeah, that's brilliant. And look, I think we'll definitely t- uh, dig into some of that authentication. Uh, sorry, the uh, um, the standards type stuff. I think it's such an important part of this conversation. But um, you know, as sort of this, I guess, launch point from here, and given you know we're bouncing off the whole idea of uh, um, you know passwords day or whatever they, they yes. <laughs> um, whatever they call these things. But the yeah, I'm curious from your thoughts on how does this start to now spread from enterprise which has definitely been the sort of focus area for a lot of this sort of tech but of course it does now it does now work perfectly fine with most of the things that normal people do with their life so you know how do you feel like we we start to get it to kind of spread into normal life so people actually start to feel like there's a path there that helps them to just feel more secure and and even start to answer that classic question for normal people of why do i have to keep memorizing more passwords (laughs) yeah that's a good lead-in, and obviously, Password Day or International Day of the Password today is all over, all around um, a, a, a security concept, and just making sure people are aware that that passwords sort of they don't rule our life, but everyone nowadays, yeah, everyone has has had to set up a password, which yeah. is which is kind of weird. Twelve. I mean, I've been in IT for longer than most people have been born, so. Um, passwords were just for IT people. And nowadays, everyone, whether you've created an online bank account, whether you've got a Facebook account, whether you've got whatever it is, you've got a password of some kind. Um, So how do we, you're correct around the technology and, you know, authentication standards and FIDO are, are all interesting words, but how do we influence the common use case? How do we make sure everyone is being secure? And that is one of YubiKey and YubiCo's goals, which is to, firstly, which was to influence the industry and get the industry beating the same drum, which I think we've, we've certainly helped through the FIDO Alliance. But then making products and making and educating users on uh, how they can use these technologies. So, um making sure that if, if they were to acquire a product, whether it's from Ubico or whether it's from one of the other FIDO vendors, it should be able to be used the same way across a multitude of applications. And firstly, it's education. Firstly, it's introducing, hey, there is this term called passwordless. Um, and we have the large vendors, we have the smaller vendors now talking about it. And it's continuing to educate and working with technology companies online to start to introduce these um, features into the products and allow customers to use them and start to use them. Um, We have a bit of work to go around, I think, in banking and finance, which most people would recognize as as something they've done with a password and now they have to use one-time passwords. 
but but banking and finance haven't moved to modern authentication. And you know, given the state of uh, the industry standards we're developing, that's fair enough. But at some point, they would want to adopt that. Mm. And I think consumers would come along once the once banks say, "Hey, this is a good thing, and it's it's got security and it makes it easier." Then other things will follow on from that. Yeah, and look. Can you help to just, I know that the big question around a lot of this sort of tech quite often for people is they almost get scared of the idea of, you know, once it becomes a physical token, um, then they start to think of it in the same way as losing their house keys. But yeah. but but they also, I think, kind of don't think of the same ways of how it's actually reasonably easy to get a new house key if you need to get get a new house key um but you know help help people grasp where that sort of safety net sits just so because i feel like we need to build that confidence for people in in making that jump there is and it is a good analogy uh thinking both about car keys or or vehicle keys Mm. and if anyone drives a car or a motorbike or anything you've generally got two of those keys now you didn't decide to have two the person (laughs) who manufactured a car gave you two. If you buy a house, you get multiple keys. So so th- there has been a nice warm blanket around individuals saying, oh, okay, oh, look, they've given me multiple. I wonder why. Because you're going to lose one. So when we move into IT and the way IT has grown, people have sort of intrepidly had to work on IT and then they've had to set up a password. And now we're saying, hey, you know, there's this good little concept out there around having multiple keys. Why don't we give you two keys? to help you, you know, protect everything, be really secure, not get fished. However, you need to keep two. Now, that takes a bit of education. So how do we help customers and help consumers along the way? Thankfully, most of the applications that we're using today have an alternate method of backup. So we would say use a security key for your primary authentication or maybe use your mobile phone as the primary authentication and then have a backup. And the backup could be a security key or a YubiKey, or the backup could be an alternate email address or an SMS or something else. But at least if we get people accepting that there are multiple ways of authenticating, not just one, and if you lose it, you're you're ruined, then you know, we can start to educate people on multiple ways and say, look, IT gives me multiple, just like my car and just like my house. You know, that's a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, are you seeing in this moment um, the the whole kind of shift through remote work necessity um, and, you know, and then a lot of companies realizing we need you know, we need better authentication to ensure that we are secure when everybody is working outside the office. You know, is mm-hmm. is this moment kind of driving more adoption? We're seeing it in a lot of different aspects of tech right now. Um, you know, that sort of we're we're jumping almost a couple of years down the road in terms of how quickly people are suddenly realizing they need better setups for things. Are you seeing the same thing with authentication and then the adoption of of YubiKey? So I'm seeing two things. Um and I've been following, obviously, following this over the past <laughs> yeah. few months, as we all have. Um, I, I see two things. A lot of organizations, brick and mortar organizations, have sent everyone home and then gone, oh, what do we use today for 2FA or something? Right, replicate it. Let's buy another chunk and send them out there. So so they haven't um, 
taken a lot of thought around it. They've just reacted and yeah. shipped whatever it was that they were used to and sent it out there. Now, now at some point in the future, they'll have to mop that up and go, <laughs> mm, you know, we're now getting recurring costs that, of, of the extra X number of things that we bought. We're losing them. We've got the support. You know, these have to be considered at some point. So initially, that's the way it is. Um, the, the second thing I've seen is industry also look to, hey, um, you know, this is an opportunity for us to very rapidly utilize technology that's out there. So such as security keys or YubiKey, uh, such as uh, mobile phones for one-time passwords or TOTP. There's a whole bunch of technology guff included in that. Mm. But they're starting to use new technologies. So not only just rinse and repeat and do what we've done forever, which I, which I think is not the best way, but it solves the problem today. Whereas digital transformation has occurred in a very short time frame for a lot of companies. Uh, they're, they're, they were planning and thinking of years ahead, and it's happened within the matter of a week or a few weeks. So they've had to go out and adopt what's best of breed. So they've, they've looked to the industry, and YubiKey and YubiCo is is certainly the one of the trusted leaders in this space. And we've certainly seen an uptick through government, uh, specifically given the amount of effort that government's doing to, you know, try and put a blanket around economies, yeah. blanket around everyone, you know, follow us and do that. So we've seen a whole, huge uptick in government adopt technologies uh, quicker and move slightly quicker towards a modern authentication. But generally in enterprises, what I've seen is, no, we'll just rinse, repeat, and do what we're doing until such time as we get back to it in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, on sort of, I guess, before all this crisis stuff sort of jumped in, yeah, I think mm -hmm. um, there's even, I think, a, you know, a sort of a, a different kind of discussion here around that sort of practice of, I guess, you know, companies have often felt like they're just less vulnerable if people are only connecting from inside the office, you know, it's kind of almost like that's a reason for them to feel like they're secure enough if they, mm -hmm. you know, have just kind of had sort of basic security practices in yeah. place. And it's like, well, you're inside the firewall, so everything everything else doesn't really matter as much. Mm -hmm. You know, from your perspective, is that sort of a false comfort or like is, you know, the physical office and a reliable factor in those kinds of questions of, of how many factors of authentication are involved. Yeah, um, I, I, I am a CISSP, um, <laughs> and uh, within that training, they go into you know a determined attacker and how high the fence should be to stop a determined attacker. <clears throat> Used to be eight foot, and there was one of the questions. Now, physical access is good. Um, having that warm blanket around, I, I have a security guard on the door that waves me through in the morning. I swipe my badge to get access to the room, and then I log into my network. You know, there are some physical controls around there, and yeah. there are some products that protect that internal network, and you don't have to do strong things. So there is a blanket, and I do believe the moat around the network still has some validity. However, I, I think we understand now that attacks, social engineering, um, shoulder surfing, you go to the coffee shop, you're using your phone, you're looking at email. You know, I think that that went, that security blanket got shredded a long, long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the adoption, using what you used inside and outside is no longer the norm. So there has to be greater controls. Uh, there has to be um, 
a, a, a sense of uh, risk there so that when I'm accessing from home, you know, I'm on, a, I'm on my house Wi-Fi. Some, everybody can see my Wi-Fi from the buildings around me. Yeah. Is my password set on my, my router? Um, th- there's a whole raft of things. So if we can protect the authentication, which is, which is generally where most of the security problems occur, um, then I think we, we remove a lot of the risk. So having at least the second factor, um, and organizations do realize this through VPN systems and through radio systems and whatever else, that a second factor is becoming more and more important. It's just picking the right one and yeah. not going for the lowest common denominator. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, I've heard some great tips from, uh, you know, from sort of some security experts where, you know, like I guess that practicality and the sort of pragmatic side sometimes uh, where when they're talking about like ordinary people um, who are trying to sort of, you know, they're trying their best, but they find it hard that they often will point out that, you know, like, you know what, like it might sound crazy, but writing it down in a book that you keep in a, like in a desk drawer carefully, like for, for the average person, you're like, that's, again, it's sometimes that's a better option than just, you know, just trying to, you know, just forgetting things or, or, you know, the classic reusing the same password Mm -hmm. over and over, all that sort of stuff. Um, But, you know, I'd love your sort of thoughts if you, I'm not sure if it's a Mm -hmm. a stats thing or just a general terms thing, but... um, that whole idea of getting hacked these days, you know, um, you just sort of touched on the idea that authentication is sort of so critical to to security. So, you know, is it mostly that sort of someone is essentially just they've, you know, they've had their credentials stolen or, or you know, lost in a thing or the, you know, the reuse type issues, things like that. Is that kind of one of the most common ways that sort of these, you know, hacks essentially occur is just somebody's credentials have been um, revealed? Yeah. Um, the, and correct, uh, the, stat- the statistics, if it, depending on which statistic you pick, is about 81% of all data breaches start with a credential that has been acquired by an attacker. Yeah. Um, now, how do they get that credential? Well, last week I went on uh, Have You Been Pawned website, which is, which is a good website uh, created by one of the Microsoft engineers around reports from data breaches. And I found that my personal email addresses have been leaked or or potentially acquired five times yeah. um, over different applications. And I checked my wife's and she's had the same. Now, um, that happens. That really does happen. Now, have those credentials, does someone interested in my personal account, if they were targeting me, if I was in a senior position within an organization, potentially working in a security company? Yes. People will try and use those credentials in my Outlook, potentially, and my Gmail, potentially, and my Facebook, and then potentially try and acquire more information about me. So so this does happen. Um, now, the person on the street, general person, you know, um, my, my son is an electrician. Uh, does he worry too much about security? No. Does he use a YubiKey? Yes, he does. Um, but he only has to use it once to set up his account from his one laptop and never really has to use it again. Yeah. However, the attacker, if they had their credentials and went to a new system and tried to use it, they couldn't get in because, you know, they don't have that, that, that key or that extra credential to get access to. Yeah. So for, for consumers and for people who don't do a lot of technology, 
it can be scary and writing it down or printing it out and putting it somewhere close to you is better than nothing. Um, obviously, we think using a simple-to-use key is, is much better uh, than just trying to remember passwords or repeat passwords because we can protect those accounts. Look, can you tell me a bit about, um, I've heard there's an example uh, where, uh, you know, Google has, I think, adopted and has literally had like no account takeovers anymore that's since adoption. Co- that's correct. Um, that's huge. The, the, uh, initially, um, if, we, if we go back in time a little bit, um, one of the things that we invented with Google was a protocol called Universal Second Factor. Um, and, and the use case is you put your username in, you put your password in. And then you have a device, token, a security key, that utilizes public key infrastructure, private key, public key exchange. Uh, And then you touch the key. So there is a user presence or a gesture from a human that has to be a human in the mix. Otherwise, you don't get access. So we invented this protocol, and Google was the first people to implement it seriously at scale. And we subsequently donated that into the FIDO Alliance. Google, three years later, published uh, a white paper on an existing, I think they deployed it to about 50,000 staff. Everyone got two keys. And from implementation, they had zero account takeovers. So specifically, they had zero account takeovers that moved from one-time passwords, where they had a number of potential breaches, to nothing. They've since extended that technology across their community. And more recently, they've published detail around their community is about 300 to 350,000 individuals, zero account takeovers. So it does work. Um, Thankfully, uh, Facebook adopted it. AWS adopted it. Microsoft have now got onto the bandwagon as well, as has Apple. So this this public key, private key exchange, this cryptography that's been developed within the FIDO protocols works, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And that's you know, when it comes to companies like that being involved, when I just I feel like it helps to sort of show, you know, that smaller businesses who, you know, do have that sort of slight concern that it's like, all right, when some of the biggest companies in the world who are very much targeted by, <laughs> by mm, for, yes. you know, um, people would love to get into these companies. And so when you start to hear that they literally just have ended account takeovers, that's clearly a yes. huge help to their overall, uh, yeah, security. It is. No, that's great. We think it is. And there's also cost benefits there as well. Their support reduction, support costs were reduced by 92% that's moving from point. one-time part. One-time passwords down to, you know, reducing that by ninety-two percent across fifty thousand staff is huge. Yeah. Um, so, and the, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving, as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. 
With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So let's talk a bit about the open standards and creating sort of more interoperability. It definitely feels like, you know, I guess when any sort of technology company is particularly around security you know when people are trying to sort of you know become leaders in different ways it on one level it makes sense that people you know they're competing if they've come up with a great idea they want to sort of go well this is our idea but but at the same time security is only good when there's as little friction as possible and that feels like it means you know, the more interoperable the standards, then the better it means someone can go, well, this is the one I own and I know it's going to get me into all the things I need to get into. So, you know, what's that journey been like and how critical has it been to actually getting to where we are now? Um, so the if we look through history, of pa- passwords were invented when I was born, around about 1960, 61. Um, and that, that has been a standard. Um, you know, it's pretty simple. Uh, you do some hashing and away you go. Uh, you store the password somewhere else, and eventually people figured out, hey, we could steal this. Um, one-time passwords came along. Uh, RSA was one of the, the leaders around that uh, concept of one-time passwords. However, it was a proprietary protocol. I did have uh, a little, was, I had a little dongle back in the day yes, um, yes. in one of my first jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and and it was a great thing. It was very secure. Um However, it was a single service, single protocol device, uh, and it wasn't an open standard. Um, you know, someone else couldn't go and they had to invent their own protocol to try and compete with them. So eventually we started to move over the past 15 years to, well, let's say 20 years ago, the first real industry standard protocol was Smart Card or PIV. Um, and people will recognize the use case if they go into a bank. No one goes into banks today because of COVID. But, you know, if you went into a (laughs) bank and the individual swiped their card through their keyboard, that was a smart card transaction. Um, Highly secure, um, but the use case and the cost of putting proprietary equipment around kind of didn't get widespread adoption. However, Microsoft Active Directory does support smart card with certificate services, and it is a passwordless environment. We could get into that. But generally, the PIV protocol was also adopted by others. So the certificate-based PKI um, concept started to come, and many, many other vendors started to use that and adopt it and say, yeah, we can do this. So integration began. Many vendors started to ship PIV keys, PIV slash smart card capabilities. Um, then we started to get into other ones. And the other two I would think about is the OAuth, uh, O-A-T-H, protocols, which is TOTP. Uh, If you use the Microsoft Authenticator or the Google Authenticator, we have our own Yubico Authenticator that goes with the YubiKey. That is an industry standard developed by an open open standards body 
for the betterment of um, security and authentication. And that is really cool. Most people are familiar with that. Um, however, still susceptible to phishing, still susceptible to man in the middle, as is any one-time password solution. So the industry moved forward and FIDO finally um, came up with this concept around, okay, how, do we de- how can we develop something to replace passwords and replace these fishable protocols? Mm. Uh, so FIDO was born, and I can talk about that separately, but that open source capability and in the industry has got behind, we want to deliver something that's easy to use, highly secure, and can scale. And if we can hit all those three barriers, which I think FIDO has achieved, obviously we now need to get broad stream adoption and acceptance, which is coming, but that, that will start to solve these previous problems. Yeah. And now look, you know, I mean, that's probably good to dig into the FIDO stuff there a little bit more, as you just say, but, you know, and it's probably part of helping to, you know, for for the lay folks out there, like what are the, the standards and the words that they probably kind of need to, you know, mm. at least recognize that, okay, that is one of those important kind of things that that says, um, yeah. yep, this technology works the way it's meant to work now, yeah, and for the future. Um, because, you know, there's been a lot of acronyms uh, over the mm. years, but, you know, um, helping people to grasp um, these specific ones yes. that are now the most important so that it gives them that, again, that sense of confidence that they're picking the right thing up. All right, so I think in a layman's term, the best word to look for is FIDO. Yeah. And, and the FIDO term is pre- it's pretty clever. It's, it, it stands for Fast Identity Online. However, if you think of a dog and you think of FIDO, you think of trust. You think of, oh, warm and cuddly, it's trust. That's a trusted thing. FIDO, it's a dog. Okay, so that's good. So that word is in user senses or, or the layman's senses. If you see Facebook talk about FIDO or Microsoft talk about FIDO or whoever talk about FIDO, that is that is something that's good. If I set that up, I'm probably good. I've got strong authentication. It should be simple to use and away we go. The, the industry's not quite got there yet. Um, if, we, if we go to uh, Microsoft, use the term passwordless, um, which is fine, and it's a high-level term. Uh, their products underneath, though, is, is Windows Hello, the Hello for Business supports FIDO, supports CTAP, supports WebAuthn, and we get into the weeds and start to confuse people. So so I think that term FIDO is a good thing. Um, one-time passwords. Um, you know, if we go backwards in time, these are much more common. Um, the use of authenticator apps, from a layman's term, the use of an authenticator app, it looks scary. However, it's not that, well, well I'm a technical person, but I, most people know what an OTP is now. They may not tie the two things together, but if their bank sends them a text message, yeah, that's a one-time password. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a one-time. Yes, it is. I thought it was a number. No, it's a one-time <laughs> password. So th- those terms are the things that I think in a layman's term, the FIDO branding or the FIDO across any vendor that you see out there is, is a good thing. Certification is behind it. There's programs. There's a whole raft of stuff. Look, it's funny. It's a good point, isn't it? I feel like um, the uh, yeah people don't recognize those as passwords sometimes because it's not a jumble of letters and numbers. You know, it's like well, when it only sends it to you and it's only valid for a few moments, then 
it can be something that's a little easier to digest. Yes. <laughs> and so people are like, oh, there's not many numbers in it. It can't be a password. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, it takes a while, but thankfully banks have uh, adopted that technology broadstream. What yeah. they haven't done is move to modern, but they've got bigger challenges and they will get there. And, and I do think once they start to expose additional capabilities, uh, initially you'll get the technology people, you'll get those who realize it's a better thing. And it's not rip and replace, it's additive. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I look forward to them adding capability and not thinking it's this is what we've got and everybody uses it. Hey, introduce something, differentiate yourself. Yeah. And look, I mean, yeah. that, uh, you know, speaks to, uh, you know, that idea as well, like say, of being additive that I think sometimes when I've, you know, I've needed to talk to colleagues, um, you know, in organizations where they're not, um, you know, it's not a tech company, but um, they're trying to encourage people to adopt, um, you know, using a system like a one password or a last pass, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that sometimes people sort of feel like it, it, it's more hoops to jump through and trying to sort of help them understand that that once you've set it up, then you actually now have less hoops to jump, th- jump right. through. But, but that sort of, you know, yep, initially you're going to have to sort of set it up with a few bits and that first time you log into each of the services you use, it then needs to, you know, you need to remember to make sure you let it memorize that password. But once you've got it all working, then uh, then this stuff sort of starts to, again, you know, disappear a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and if we think back to mobile phone launching, uh, you know, I was a BlackBerry user. I was a Nokia user before then. I was a... Had a, a a paging device, and once once the iPhone came out, and then Android caught up. Every, almost everybody was working with a computer, some way, shape, or form, through their phone, and they started to learn computing techniques or computing what software is, what an application is. You know, once we get to authentication, hasn't caught up yet. Um, with all of that, I'm really glad that the the concept of Ease of use for authentication, the biometric, the touch, the visual, those things are, are becoming more and more in people's psyche. Uh, they understand what that, oh, there's an, they don't, may not call it authentication. Oh, I get into the system by allowing my face to be read. Well, that's good. They just haven't tied it that that's an authentication step. Yeah. So, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Um, so on that, on that big passwordless type question, then you know, um, yep. you know, it definitely, um, you know, I feel like I've even you know, touched on it over the last sort of year more than once. It's definitely something people love the idea of, but you know, again, in a, in general terms, they're not sure how real the idea ever is. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe even just starting from that idea of why both for organisations, do you think you know, is is this, uh, you know, is this. A, something that people really are sort of seeking out, like how deep does the reality go, I guess, when it comes to that idea of being able to go passwordless? Yeah. Um, I, I, I personally uh, don't think, I personally believe that people are not looking for it because they think what they've got is good enough. However, the people who pay for it, the people who pay for data breaches, the people who put, expensive security systems <laughs> yeah. behind everything to protect it. They're the ones who are going, no, 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 this doesn't work. <laughs> no, but you may think it works, and Mr. <laughs> Mr. User, you're logging in, using the password, cool. No, I've got to have a support team somewhere to wait for you to blow up your password. I've got tools in place to do password management. I've got, you know, all of these, and then 
you know, so it's it's not up to the individual. Um, I think it's up to corporations. I think it's up to government. I think, and government is doing this. That in Australia, our essential eight uh, specifically calls out multi-factor authentication and calls out the strongest level of authentication today is a, a U2F, universal second factor security key. You know, that is for government if you want to get to the most mature level. Now, how do we take that to a consumer? Okay, back to the education, back to the, there has to be enterprises and government introducing these capabilities with the online tools that they're now becoming accustomed to and exposing them and saying, hey, you can use an SMS text or you can use, if you've got a YubiKey or a security key, you could use that. And by the way, that's stronger than an SMS text. So so the passwordless journey, I, I don't know if I've answered the question, but um, the, the, it's not it's not the common individual is not asking for it. Yeah. The people who are paying for the existing systems are, and that's the problem. All of the data breaches, you've seen the explosion of data breaches every day that are data breaches. How do we stop that? Well, and who's paying for it today? Well, it might not be you, but you are paying for it anyway through your products and services. So the bigger the bigger people have to solve these problems for everyone. Yeah. So I just realized sort of probably you know skipped a, a quite a fundamental thing. What does it look like for a normal person? Let's say, mm-hmm. you know, they sit down in front of their laptop and they're logging into their, you know, Gmail or something like that. If they are using yeah. a YubiKey, what is mm-hmm. I guess, you know, there's I guess the first time experience and then sort of how often, you know, does it then mm-hmm. say, hey, you need to authenticate again? Yeah, great question. So let, let's move past registration. We'll come back to that. So once registered, I come up to my screen. I, I log into my workstation with my username, password. And if I've got a YubiKey in the mix, that's all I need. And I may log in through Windows Hello. So all I ask for is a pin. But once I'm in and I open up the browser and I go to my email account, it just does not ask me for anything. It has trust over the device and it has trust within the browser. Now, if I was to go to my friend's computer and log in, it doesn't recognize me. It would say, okay, what's your username? What's your password? Stick your key in and then uh, touch the key and then you're in. So from then on, that device is trusted and I wouldn't have to use it again. So in essence, when we move to passwordless, there's multiple ways of, of interacting with the user. Uh, keeping a username password there with a key doesn't help security, but it does help the experience because the user is used to entering a username and password. So if we don't want to break that cycle initially, let's move them to the concept of using a physical token. So username, password, put the USB key in to the device, touch the device, and then you're in. The registration process is, is a one-off task. Um, you know, I go to a website such as Facebook or Gmail or Microsoft Outlook, and it says, hey, I want to add two-factor authentication. I want to add a security key. Now, and the user experience can be different based on the policy that's sent. But if you go through Microsoft World today, they're supporting 502 and passwordless, so set up a security key. We, they ask you to put the key in. They ask you to set a PIN, uh, so a 
six-digit PIN or a four-digit PIN, uh, depending on what they're asking. The PIN protects the credential on the physical token. So they enter a PIN, you touch the key, and it's then set up or registered that security key. If you then subsequently go back to log into Outlook and, and it's asking you for the authentication, it says it gives you the prompt, enter username, enter password. And there's another link underneath that says use an alternate method or use a security key. Now, if your security key is in the device, once you click that link, it'll say, yeah, you've got a security key. Give me the PIN, just like using your credit card. Give me the PIN, unlocks the credential, and away we go. We're authenticated. So there are different experiences when it comes to passwordless, and, and it's been designed to support one factor, two factor, or multi factor, depending on the use case. Um, if you imagine a, an individual in a warehouse getting a pick list to go and take things off a shelf, they can go up to a terminal, tap the YubiKey, and that is a one factor authentication. They don't need to enter anything all the way up to the highest level of security, which is I need a pin, I need a biometric, and I need you to touch the key, and I need you to put a username and password in. So, so the protocol passwordless has much more um, avenues you can go down, but yeah. generally we try and keep it as simple as possible. Hmm. Sorry, that was a long answer for a for a short question. <laughs> Sorry, no, that's good. That's the you know the the real answer rather than the easy answer. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yeah. So you know, I mean, we're sort of nearing the end, really. But it's like, what are the you know? Are there any other aspects of this right now that are you know exciting you the most? That the things that are either you know, that are available right now that sort of people um, you know should be considering as their sort of first steps or. What other things going on mm -hmm. in this space that you think are really going to be important in the, the years ahead? Yeah. Um, so so we influence the, the major vendors, and, and, and then I think about what's exciting going forward. So so Microsoft dominates the desktop and laptop and the, the computing environment on the desktop. Um, they've certainly put a lot of work into introducing passwordless as a concept within their environments, within their Azure Active Directory. And they're also doing, beginning to develop hybrid solutions, so on-prem, off-prem. Um, so that is coming to fruition. It's not, it's not fully out there, but I do see the enterprise adoption um, just over the hill. I think that's almost there. Uh, once Microsoft round out their, tool, their tooling, their messaging, and their product capabilities, that's very exciting for Ubico and YubiKey as a company back to what Stina wanted, uh, back to Stina Ernsvard, the, you know, the founder of the company. She wanted people to trust what they're doing in a simple way. And that's where FIDO was leading. Um, the activities around mobile devices, um, something we've done recently is, is support uh, the Lightning Connector. We already had NFC, we had USB-C, we had USB-A forever, and then we added the Lightning Connector. So the Apple ecosystem is 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 coming very soon to meet everything that Ubico and YubiKey does within the iOS world. Google we had a long time ago, so Android I think is, is the deployment of their capabilities is coming out, and I I sense a lot of activity with Google, and they will add more features for strong authentication, and we start to reduce those data breaches and those phishing attacks. So. 
So making it easier for users um, is, is something that I'm excited about. We're not there yet. Passwords will be there forever, I think. They'll, uh, you know, Maybe not forever, but generally another 20 years, passwords are going to be there, the long tail. But if we can work towards removing, getting that 81% of data breaches, starting with credential loss, down to 10%, 15%, hey, we can focus on other things then. And I think passwordless will take us there. Yeah, it's a really good thought. Um, yeah, where do you think, you know, for people on, uh, you know, when they're thinking about this stuff on International Day of the Password, um, yes. you know, what do you think? Is it like, do you think the family geek should be the one who sort of goes out and sort of buys a few and helps set them up for family? You know, or is it something that, you know, people themselves might, you know, start to kind of test the waters on themselves and go and grab these off the shelf somewhere? Yeah, um, I think there are two avenues. That, that Back to education, I think the, the IT individual in the organization or the company or the home is probably the one who can at least discuss the concepts and start to, you know, over the dining table or whatever you say, yeah, when was the last time you changed your password or, or, or when was the last time you were asked for your password and have you ever clicked the link in an email that maybe you shouldn't have? And is it important to you? You know, the, our biggest assets are probably our home, our vehicle, and our online presence. All of our banking, all of our, everything's there. So, but I do think consumers, uh, we have a great consumer website, both we have some local resellers online where you can buy a YubiKey or a security key for to protect your online presence. Uh, and we're talking maybe, I think, 40, I don't want to talk out of school, maybe 40 Australian dollars for a security key or maybe 30. Uh, you buy one of them, you protect your Facebook, you protect your Gmail, you protect your Microsoft, your Dropbox, your Twitter, your all of those are now protected with very strong anti-phishing, anti-man-in-the-middle tool. And it's, it's not that hard. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, definitely a five-year-old can do it. Can a 45-year-old do it who's just not really done a lot with technology? It may take them a bit longer, <laughs> but yes, they'll protect themselves. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 